is God, we praise you for your faithfulness. In every season, you are faithful. Even when we can't see it, God, you are faithful. Lord, no matter what we're walking through today, no matter where our head is at, God, help us to believe that you are in control. Help us to believe that you are good. Help us to remain steadfast in the love of Jesus. Nothing can compare to your love, oh God. There's nothing as sweet as your love. We'll never experience anything like it, God. So help us to be focused on you and your word today, God. It's all in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Jesus told us that temptations are sure to come. So we need to be prepared for them. So once again, in, in the, from a high altitude look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus sees the crowds, he leaves the crowds, and he goes back a little higher on the mountain. He sits down, the disciples come to him, and he is teaching them what they need to know to prepare them to go into the ministry with the crowd of people, the world, and survive. It's difficult. It's going to be hard. It's going to be extremely painful for these disciples to face the Jewish religion establishment, to face the Gentile horde, to face the Romans. To re just, it's going to be hard. As a matter of fact, when Jesus says, you shall be persecuted, every single one of these disciples he's speaking to at that time were definitely persecuted. Matter of fact, they were all martyred. Judas took his own life, of course, but the rest of the disciples were martyred. Peter was hung upside down. James was, was poor, heavy petroleum product was poured on him. Tar was poured on him. And, and most of that is outside the scripture from the history, but these boys really experienced great turmoil and pressure. And so Jesus is preparing them just like he would be preparing us. Now, last week he said, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And we talked about anger. Now, in this portion of scripture, beginning in verse 27, Matthew 5, verse 27, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, the seventh of the Ten Commandments. You shall not commit adultery. And so he is dealing with the serious temptation toward sexual sin. And, and if there's two things that Satan will work on in disciples to get them where they are not effective in sharing the good news of Jesus to separate the families, to destroy people, to hurt people, and, and he wants to break people. Jesus says that the thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And if you are seeking to advance the kingdom of God, if you have a pure intent and you really want to see the kingdom of God advance, you want to see people saved. You want to see people be united with Christ. You want to see people be whole again. You want to see people return to the church, return to following the Lord, serving him. Then you got to understand that you are in direct crosshairs of Satan. And the two areas that I think he tempts us the most are in the, ang the area of anger and the area of sexual morality because those two things will divide people. 
Those two things will destroy families and homes. Pastors, if you want to wreck a ministry, Satan knows how to do it. Work in their anger area and work in their sexual immorality area, right? Tempt those, tempt pastors, tempt missionaries, tempt elders, tempt leaders, tempt, tempt Sunday school teachers in those two areas, and, and you'll get somewhere with them. And, and you'll destroy the witness. And Satan is all about destroying the witness. So when, when you hear the words of Jesus telling us things like, be careful of temptation, be caref careful of, of the enemy that's out there, you got to understand that he loves us. And he knows that if we fall to these temptations, it's going to harm us. It's going to be difficult for us. It's going to be painful. God doesn't want our families having these kind of problems. God doesn't want a family to be controlled by anger. God doesn't want a person to be controlled by sexual immorality. And so he has laid out these temptations for us, and, and hopefully we understand that he's given us the tools we need to have to work on to walk away from these temptations. Paul said that there is no temptation common to man that God does not give a way out. That scripture is not about problems. That doesn't say that God will not lay on us any more problems we can bear. That is about temptation. God will not allow a temptation to be so hard on us that we will not discover the way out. And the way out is always through what God has said in his word, through Jesus Christ and his power and through the work of the Holy Spirit through our faithfulness to him. So, verse 27, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, there you go. Those are the two words that bring that all together. These are the two words that we need to understand what's going on. Lustful means looks with a long gaze with with desire. It's an intense desire. It is lusting after something that's not ours. Whenever you are lusting over something that is not yours, you need, as Barney Five said, nip it in the bud. Good theologian, Barney Five, right there. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, and so Literally, you're thinking about having sex with someone that is off limits to you. That's lustful intense. It is an intense desire. And so we have to understand that Jesus is telling us that lustful intent is going to be a problem. Lustful intent is all of our problems. I reckon that for some, it's harder than for others. For some, it's a greater temptation than for others. But most likely, if you, if you, if you take the adultery matter out of this right here and you put some other sin in there, it is all tied to lustful intent. Lustful intent. But Jesus knows that sexual immorality, because these are men, is going to be a problem. And Jesus, the great high priest, he recognizes, he knows, he understands what kind of problems we are all going to face. Temptation is sure to come. And so you need to be careful, men and ladies, men and women, boys and girls, you need to be careful whenever you allow lustful intent to remain 
because it's going to end up in a poor place. In 2010, a survey was done, a research project was done about what attracts women to men and what attracts men to women. And, and for the ladies, they discovered that this is in 2010. I don't know if it's changed any in the last 11 years, but ladies are attracted to older men. Now, not old men, but older men than them. Okay? There you go. So a lady is normally attracted to a man that's a little bit older than they are, but not old men. However, there's nothing better than a feisty gentleman that is at old age, right? So, older men, beards. There you go. I didn't know that. If I had known that, I had a beard years ago. Older men, beards, laughter. Ah, and kindness and selflessness. Those are the four things that attract ladies to men. Now, men, it says that we are attracted to hips, lips, breasts, and symmetry. Wow. That's, that's eye-opening, isn't it? So ladies are attracted to hearts and men are attracted to parts. Isn't that what it says? That's what that survey says. And so understanding that's really important to be able to resist this lustful intent, this temptation that's common to man. Fellas, get your eyes off the parts and ladies, cover up the parts. There you go. It's simple. We can work on that. And ladies, understand that, that men are looking at your parts, but what you want is for them to look at your heart. And so that means modest apparel. That's what that means. You'll help with that a lot. Men, recognizing that, that if, if you go after parts, and that's your focus, your attention, one day you are going to be sadly disappointed. That's the truth, Right? I mean, I know that's graphic, that's hard. We only have seventh graded up in here. They're, they're hearing it all. If so, you're in seventh grade. So, oh, no, my seventh grade child's here. They're getting more than that. They're getting graphic language. I'm PG in comparison. But, boy, do they need to hear that men are after parts and ladies are after hearts. And, and that needs to be understood in, in, because if we are going to resist lustful intent, we got to understand those kind of things. And so Jesus says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in her heart. Has already committed adultery. You remember, most of y'all won't remember, but Jimmy Carter was asked by Playboy magazine when he was running for president of the United States way back in the olden days. Jimmy Carter Baptist man, Jimmy Carter, Sunday school teacher, Jimmy Carter, leader in his church there in Peanutville, Georgia. He was asked, has he ever committed adultery? And Jimmy Carter said, I have committed adultery in my heart. And he was absolutely ripped by just being honest. 
He was just ripped. The world just took him apart. Now, the world will take what I'm saying today and rip it apart. Satan is going to try to take what I'm saying today and rip it apart because I'm trying to say today what I believe is important to understand about what Jesus said. And Jesus says here, you're going to have trouble with lustful intent. You're going to struggle with that. It's going to be a problem with that. You, men, you're going to look at parts too long. You need to bounce back. Men, you need to learn to bounce back. Now, when a, when a very attractive lady walks into your view, look, it's hard. You go, whoa, man. But don't stay, whoa, man, too long. Bounce back. Bounce back. Say, I've got to bounce back. It's my DNA. It's my nature. It's how God wired me. Go, that's a very attractive symmetry, symmetrical lady right there. All is lined up right. The eyes aren't too far apart. And the nose seems to be right in the middle of her face. I'm drawn to symmetry, right? And so you're walking down Walmart, you know, and, and then boom, lady's right there. And you see her and you just go, good evening, lady. How are you? Nice to see you. Please let me bounce on back. Go right on around. Bounce back. Because the problem of lustful intent. Jesus says this is such a big, serious matter, he says in verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. He's serious about this. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. Now, is Jesus saying, pluck out your eye? Of course not. But he's saying to us here, it's that, it's that serious. It's that important. Jesus is saying here, you can't take lustful intent lightly. Because if you allow lustful intent to hang around, you're probably going to destroy yourself, your relationships, your marriage, your family, if you don't nip it in the bud. So be careful with lustful intent. And he says, and if your right hand calls you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. There you go. Pretty serious teaching there from our Lord Jesus, the one that knows everything, the one that knows men and women and their desires better than anyone to be taken seriously, not to be taken lightly. Learn to bust, bounce back from lustful intent. Now, Let's look at maybe some practical things from the life of David. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. Verse 1 says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon. It happened late one afternoon. It happened. It just happened. Now, that's something to take seriously there. Don't. Corinthians also tells us men, and especially men, ladies for sure, but men, don't think you've got it worked out. 
Don't think that you're strong enough to handle this temptation. Don't think there's no way in the world you're going to commit the, the sin of lustful intent. Don't think that, that you're exempt from this, this temptation. Don't even think that because you're fat, bald, and ugly that you've got it made in this area, because you don't. It happened. Late one afternoon, when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house, that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman, lustful intent. That's lustful intent. David sent and inquired about the woman. When did the lustful intent happen? Somewhere between sent and inquired. Lustful intent. He had done committed the sin of adultery. Somewhere in there. I don't know where. First glance, second glance, not. I have no idea. But that's where the sin was committed. And then he followed through. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And, and one said... Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? That should have been enough for David right there. David, let's don't go any further with this sin. Confess your sin to God right now. Repent. She is off limits. Why? She's married. And guess what, David? You're married. That's enough. So, you can't say she was beautiful. You can't say it just happened. You can't say I was all alone. You can't say, David, man, I just woke up and I was bored to death. Everybody else is out at war, but I'm back here in Jerusalem. No, David, those are horrible excuses. You just can't say those. So David sent messages and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now, she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness, so her, her cycle. Then she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. Now, when the scripture tells us that she was purifying herself, there is no way that Uriah is the father. So you can't question that and all those kind of things. And I'm sure that would be an issue. But for whatever reason, God wanted us to know that was never going to be an issue. There was no question it was David's child. Now, some good practical lessons for us to follow. First of all, David is not where he was supposed to be. He is not where he is supposed to be physically, but he's not where he's supposed to be mentally. Ladies and gentlemen, when you find yourself not where you're supposed to be physically or mentally or emotionally, back on up. Resist that. Now, the temptation begins in the heart of the person, right? In the eyes of the person. And if they were where they're supposed to be, if their mind is where they're supposed to be, and if their emotional is where they're supposed to be, they have a better chance of not falling victim to lustful intent. But David is isolated. He's not where he's supposed to be. He should be on the battlefield with Bathsheba's husband. That's where he should be. He should be around the fellas, not up there all alone in the couch, taking a siesta in the afternoon, and just goes out and goes, oh, what's going on in Jerusalem? He goes, oh, my, looky there, lustful intent. David looks and doesn't bounce back. He had plenty of ammunition to bounce back. This, You're married, David. This is not right. She's a married lady. Nothing good is going to come out of this. David committed sin at some point in that process, and, of course, Bathsheba 
being beautiful is not a reasonable excuse. Being where you're not supposed to be, mentally, physically, or emotionally, is opportunity for Satan to destroy your life. To destroy your life. Men, haven't you found that being all alone sometimes is not a good idea? Haven't you found that? Ladies, hadn't you found that being emotionally vulnerable is a very dangerous place to be for you? You know? Boy, you got to be careful in those three areas. But there's something else here that we really got to pay attention to, and we have to understand that we have an enemy. And I'm here to tell you, our enemy is not to be taken lightly. He is not to be unrecognized and not to be unnoticed. We are to recognize that our enemy, Satan, the lion that waits on the road looking to devour someone, hates our guts, hates our guts and livers, wants nothing more than destroy us, can't stand that you're in the house of the Lord today would love to wreck your marriage, would love to wreck your testimony, would love to wreck your relationships. You know, I've got a a very dear friend that has just gone through this. His wife of 20-something years started going to a workout place and got involved with some real extreme workout people. And, And as a result of that, there's some gentleman there that obviously is all that and a bag of chips and all those kind of things, and he liked her parts, and she liked the fact that she thought he was liking her heart, and they have absolutely destroyed their family because of her affair with that guy. And just this past week, he called me and wanted some counsel and some talking through all this. You know what his biggest struggle right now is? Thanksgiving. First Thanksgiving after all this has happened. How are they going to work that? Guess what? They got grandkids coming. Golly, I can't believe that. I thought when I said, how in the world could she throw away grandkids? I mean, it can't be worth it. It just can't be worth it. What a liar Satan is. John 8 44, you are your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. There is no truth in that that sorry sucker. Can't think of a good PG word to say about how horrible he is. Listen to this. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. You know what that means? He's, the, he's good at it. Man, he's brilliant. He's cunning. He's, he's great at deceiving us. Lies. He tells lies all the times and tempts people to lust intently. To lust intently. Let me share with you some lies you need to be concerned with. Lie number one, what I think about doesn't matter as long as I don't act on it. No, that's a lie. Jesus clearly says lustful intent, looking too long, looking too hard, investigation is wrong. It's sin. Lie number two, 
I would be happier with someone else. No, you won't. No, you won't. You may be happier for a while. You may be happier for a few months. You might even be happier for a few years, but you're going to be unhappy again. You're going to be unhappy again, I guarantee you, because the reasons for being happier with the new person are going to oftentimes raise their head, and you're going to have struggles with that. So don't buy that lie. I'll be happier with someone else. Another lie. Life is passing me by. I deserve something better. Don't you know Susan has heard that lie from Satan? <laughs> you know, it's an easy pick for Satan. He probably shows up at 214 Southview and go, you deserve something better, Susan. You know, yeah, that's a great lie, Tails, isn't it? Be careful when you listen to what you deserve. Oh, be careful. Be real careful when you start thinking about what you really deserve in life. I really deserve better. I really deserve different. Do you really deserve different? Do you really deserve better? Do any of us really want to be treated as we deserve? Oh, be careful with that. When others pay attention to me, it's because they think I'm special. We've already clarified that's not the truth, ladies. If a man at work is paying real close attention to you, he likes your parts. You think he likes your heart, but he doesn't. And if a guy at work knows you're married, knows that you're off limits, if he's paying extra attention to you or beyond, if he's engaging you, you in emotional things, he wants to have a sexual encounter with you. He doesn't want to have a relationship with you, most likely. He doesn't want to take on your, your debts. He doesn't want to take on your insurance. He doesn't want to take on all your family and all your kids and all that's going on and all your issues. He just wants to have his cake. That's all he wants. So ladies, be careful with a man that is paying close attention to you, especially if you, you don't think your husband is play, paying close enough attention to you. And you got to be careful because I guarantee you, Satan is lying to you. Your husband's not paying close enough attention to you. And if he's not paying close enough attention to you, kick him in the shins and tell him to do what Jesus said to do, to grow up and be a man and take care of his business. Amen. There you go. Get on down the road with that. That's right. A lot of the problems the body of Christ is having today with sexual immorality is men need to be men and women need to be women. And men, we need to rise up and be who we're supposed to be and quit falling victim to lustful intent. That's what needs to happen there. But be real careful, men. When ladies are paying extra close attention to you, and they're telling you all those wonderful things, and I would treat you different than your wife would. I would be nicer to you than your wife is. Your wife chewed you out this morning for, for, for being, you know, leaving your socks in the floor. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> yes, yeah, she will. She's going to wait until you move in with her, and you're going to find out the mistake you've made. And when you meet her mother-in-law, you will, oh, what a mistake you made. 
because you think your mother-in-law is bad, wait till you meet her mother-in-law. And most likely, if, if she doesn't have a husband anymore, there's a reason. Right? And if he doesn't have a wife anymore, there's, there's most likely a pretty good reason. Right? And I'm thinking of something right now that I cannot say, but you need to hear. So I'm not going to say it. You just trust the Holy Spirit to help you with that. Yeah. Line number five, I can get away with sin. You can get away with it. Isn't that what the serpent told Adam and Eve? Did God surely say, you can get by with this. You can do anything you want to do. We're under grace. It's unconditional love. He's not going to wipe you out. It's all good. The Jesus thing on the cross takes care of you. Oh, be careful of that. Don't take sin lightly, ever. Yes, we're under grace. Under grace, yes, it's your forgiveness. Now, if you've been divorced, if you've committed adultery, if you've committed fornication, right? If, if you're on your second marriage or your third marriage, let me tell you something. Should you have gone through all that? No, of course not. No one would ever say that, but here you are. So how does God treat you where you are today? Where you are today, you've asked for forgiveness, you've confessed, you've repented, if you haven't, do that now and be set free from the bondage of that sin. But here you are now, whatever the situation, whatever the record has been, whatever the history has been, here you are now. Take these words seriously. Fellas, you might be on your second family. Make this the final one. Be committed to this family. Yep, there's been mistakes made. There's been, but, but you got to understand that God has forgiven you and he has embraced you. And you might even say, man, it is so much better now. Well, praise the Lord with that. But don't take it lightly and understand that you're responsible for what you know and what you're hearing today. You're responsible for it. And you need to honor God with your new commitment to resisting lustful intent. Lustful intent. Now, lie number six. Parts over hearts. Parts over hearts. What a lie that is. What a lie that is. I, years ago, I don't even know where I was, an airport or somewhere, and I was looking through some magazines, and, and there was on the cover of a magazine this obviously model-type gal, you know, with uh, beautiful hair and symmetrical parts, you know, and all those things. And she had her hand on that Maserati or whatever that high-end sports car they were saying. And the caption underneath said, men, she's more expensive. Now, I've never forgotten that. What's that saying to us? Now, I know you're probably thinking, oh, gosh, he's beating up women now or being unkind to women. No, I'm just trying to point this out, okay? Here it is. We are horrible men at counting the cost. At counting the cost. We're horrible at it, and Satan knows that. And you think, oh, my. The Maserati girl. All my problems will be taken away if I have the Maserati girl. No, 
You just take all your problems with you. And whatever problems you're going to have for being in sin, for being rebellious, for being disobedient to God, men, you are going to suffer the consequences. She's more expensive. Not her, so to be, but the sin that's going to be committed. Ladies, ladies, listen to me. Don't you buy that man's lies. Young ladies, listen to me. Don't you buy the, that young man's lies. You think he's loving your heart. You think he's really, really on board with who you are and what's all about. And here you are, you're thinking that this is heart. You make extra sure that he loves your heart more than your parts. Be careful. So, Satan goes to work at hearts and parts. He wears us out with hearts and parts. We are so deceived. We think it's the heart, and it's the parts, right? And Satan goes to work at that. So, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Help us, Father. Help us resist lustful intent. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to be faithful to our loved ones. Help us, Lord, as men and women, to be faithful to our families to be faithful, Father, to the cause that you have called us to. We love you and we praise you. May the word spoken today be truthful in people's hearts. Father, may we heed the Spirit's instruction and may we follow through with what you've asked us to do. Help us, God, today to resist, reject, ignore, deny, resist that temptation of lustful intent. In Jesus' name, amen.